Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, again, good morning. Um, you know, just uh, over 23 years ago, it was a, a damp and dreary May day. And I was on a farm in Memphis, Tennessee, gathered among 40,000 mostly college students. And I heard a then 54-year-old wispy-haired pastor from Minneapolis named John Piper say this, you don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. And the gathering, it was called One Day, Uh, We were in Shelby Farms there in Memphis, and the gathering was a continuation of a movement that was known as passion, and it was built on the words of this passage from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 8, which says, yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. Our desire is for your name and renown. And when you're 20-something, okay, let me just say, and, and you guys that are 20-something or less, okay, when you're 20-something, uh, the word most likely to maybe catch your attention there, I'm guessing, is not wait, okay? You don't think a lot about waiting when you're young, right? You don't want to do a lot of waiting. Um, but a couple of decades later, it jumps out at me a whole lot more, okay? We had to do a lot of waiting, actually, in that that time. We were camping. There was 40,000 students. There were not enough porta-potties for everybody, okay? There was a lot of waiting, but but nonetheless, a couple decades later, it jumps out at, out at me a whole lot more. You know, we do a lot of waiting in life. You're, you're waiting for the weekend very often. Um, maybe even now, it's August, about to turn September, but you're waiting for Christmas to come, right? Anybody waiting for Christmas? Maybe not even Christmas yet. You just want pumpkin spice, right? I know you're out here. You're the people like you think pumpkin spice should exist in August. I don't agree, but, um, but you're waiting, right? You, you're wanting that kind of thing to happen. We do a lot of waiting in traffic, not as much in the Northland, but it's, it's happening some more. Um, more seriously, you experience that waiting for, um, you know, finding out, did I, did I get the, the spot? Maybe it's in the school play or in the, the, on the team that I wanted or waiting for the job interview callback. Or maybe even more seriously, waiting for the results from the doctor's office. We do a lot of waiting, and waiting impacts our life in a lot of ways. I think we tend to, though, connect waiting with interference. You know, when when you're waiting for something, it seems like this is just interfering with life. It's getting in the way. Because there's this absence of what we want. And that that is a part of what waiting is. We don't have this thing we maybe desire. But there also tends to be this connection with waiting in our minds, I think, with, with a lack of motion. You know, it's just, it feels very stagnant, right? I'm just stuck. If I'm waiting, I'm stuck. Those two seem to equal each other in our minds quite a bit. But I want us to see today is that if you wait on God, he will keep you moving, okay? Waiting is different with God. And so if you wait on God, he will actually keep you moving. We've been in this series looking at a number of key ideas, and really uh, ideas that if you had to say to me, um, what are those few things that if you know these things, 
your life really can make a, a lasting impact. It, it would be what we found in this series. Today we're wrapping up the, the fifth kind of key element of that. We looked at fear of the Lord and trust in the Lord, and, and then we looked at humility and teachability. And today we're going to look at this idea of patience, of, of waiting on the Lord. And really, if you understand those things biblically, understand what does God intend when it comes to, to these ideas, I think this is how our, our lives really do move forward in a way that honors Him and, and really is meant to impact this world. And so with that in mind, I want to go back to Isaiah 26.8. I want you to hear it again in another translation. This is the New American Standard Bible. This is probably what I first read this in all those years ago. Just to, to understand that sometimes we, we hear that word wait, and again, we, we associate it with stopping, but it, it's meant to be active. It's meant to be something that keeps us moving. Isaiah 26.8 says, Indeed, while following the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you eagerly. Your name, even your memory, is the desire of our souls. Is this idea that, that we are following God, and as we follow him, and we see his judgments, we see his take on the world, his take on life, and as those things unfold, then there we find the good life. So we're waiting for God, but we're waiting with him as we walk with him. And again, multiple translations is just a, a way that sometimes helps us kind of unlock our brains from one way of thinking about something to, to see it slightly differently, and, and yet it's all correct. Okay, not one of those translations is saying it wrong. It just helps maybe unlock our, our minds to understand this even better. And so our waiting on God is meant to keep us moving. And so the question becomes then, well, how do you wait well? How, how do you wait in a way that, that's really helpful and is the way God wants you to wait? And so what I want to do in, in order to, to understand that, a way that's been helpful to me in understanding waiting and patience is to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. As you guys know, I probably touch on this quite a bit. I come back here because it's just been a, a really helpful set of verses for me and really the book of Hebrews as a whole. But I want you to hear Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. We're going to look mostly there at those two verses. You see the pages or the page there up on the screen. You've got Bibles in front of you. You're welcome to use that Bible or you pull it up on your phone, that kind of thing. Mostly we'll be in Hebrews 12. We'll look a little bit around that. Um, and some of the other passages that we look at will be up on the screens. But here we are, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. We're told this. Therefore, we'll see just in a second what that th that's there for. Okay, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What we're told here is that just like those who have gone before, we each have a race set before us, especially if you are a Christ follower. You have a race set before you. And, and so the, the question then is, well, what kind of race? Is it one of those, you know, is it a quick sprint? The reality is, no, it's, it's a long race. It's one that takes endurance 
and patience. Okay, those two words are really synonymous in many ways. Endurance and patience. And, and I say it's, it's kind of like a marathon, but maybe more accurately, if we, we look at the, the things that are going on here, we more accurate to say this race is a lot more like a tough mutter. Okay? There's, there's a lot. It's not just that you got to go a long distance. It's that you got to go a long distance and they're throwing stuff at you. Okay? There's, there's, there's obstacles, things in the way. It's a race with obstacles. And, and this is what happens. You, you set out to live the Christian life. And it's not like everything, it's, what happens then, if, if you're not sure, is not that then all of a sudden everything becomes smooth sailing. That's not the way this goes. You set out to live the Christian life. And what you find is you will be opposed. You will be provoked. You will be intentionally slowed down. You say, well, by what? Well, just like all of us, we're we're opposed and provoked and slowed just by circumstances. Stuff happens. This is a, a broken world, a result of human rebellion. And, and so what we have is just things that life happens. And, and we have to deal with just the circumstances of life, some good, and we want welcome those, and then others that we're like, man, why am I going through this again and again and again? Sometimes we're opposed or provoked or slowed by people. People are great, except that they're people, right? And so we have to, to deal with the fact that very often we find ourselves just having difficulty because we're, we have to relate to other folks. And, and here's the other secret that we need to know is that sometimes their lives are opposed or provoked or slowed because of you, right? So, so here's the thing. This is what it means to be people. We, we end up getting in each other's way in some different ways. We're also opposed and provoked and slowed by our own tendencies and abilities and decisions. We all have tendencies, things that, ways in which we operate, angles that we approach life from. We all have abilities and a lack of ability in certain things. And out of that kind of mishmash of, of things, we also make decisions. The way we understand the world, the way we think we're to operate in the world, we make decisions. And, and all of those things can work sometimes in our favor, but also they can work to oppose us. They can work against us. They can cause real problems for you and I. If you look back over your week and say, well, where, where were things difficult? It was some combination of all of these. There were circumstances. There were people that were a part of those circumstances. But you had a part to play in probably what made life difficult for you this week. I know I did. And so as we think about this race and the obstacles, I think this passage then gives us four key ideas for waiting well, and they involve where we set our sights, how we look, okay? So the first thing we're told here is to look back. If you want to wait well, you've got to look back. And now we're, we're going to see how important, really, this is all about looking ahead. That's your fourth blank there, but we'll get to that. But we really need to look back. It says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses. The, the therefore is referring back to what just was expressed in Hebrews 11, which is known by some as the hall of faith. Okay, not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. Because again and again and again, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, taking us back through redemptive history, through the things that God was doing in, in people's lives all through history, and saying, by faith, this person, Abraham, by faith, this person, Noah, by faith, this person, Mary, all these different people, they trusted God. And so we begin to talk about patience and endurance. We're really talking about the extension of our initial fear of the Lord and trust in the Lord. 
So by faith, these people did these things. And God, working as they were walking in those paths, God is unfolding his judgments, his, his plans. And they begin to see, wait, this is all moving together. I want you to hear then the last verses from Hebrews 11 that lead us to what we're then told here in Hebrews 12. Verse 39, it says, all these, all those people in that hall of faith were approved through their faith. Okay, they didn't earn anything, but God saw their faith. It was credited to them as righteousness. They are made right with God because he gave them the gift of faith. But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. And so when, when God works and has worked in people's lives thousands of years ago, what he's doing is he's, he's making promises and he's saying, look, you're going to get to see this. This is what I'm going to do in your life. And then they, they, they trust him and they walk with him and they get some of that. They get a glimpse that God is faithful. He does what he said. But, but what they don't quite understand is that some of what he's doing then, he's going to fully do in, in the future. That, that their trusting God for something right then and there was going to find its fulfillment way, way forward. And so what he says is, no, God, they didn't receive everything. They didn't receive all the fullness yet. Why? Because God in his kindness wants you and I to be a part of this unfolding drama of redemption. He wants you and I to be brought into the family of God, to be brought back to a relationship with him. And so what, what we're told is that there is coming a day when everything will be made perfect, when things will be made right. And, and God then, in the meantime, wants us to run this race. As we look ahead, just like they looked ahead, we're to run this race. And so that involves looking back, looking back at the people who have gone before us. And we can go way back into Hebrews 11. That's what it's meant to do, is for us to look back at what God has done in these specific people's lives and say, how did God, how was God faithful to them? How did he walk with really imperfect folks? If you have sort of like this sort of memory of, of Sunday school from way back and you think, oh yeah, all those guys back then and those gals back then, they just did the right thing all the time, right? No, they were a mess, like a mess, a mess. And yet God is faithful to work through them. He, he used their foibles. He used their, their problems, their issues, and he tra transformed them. And brought them to a place of trust and, and learning to walk with him. And so you and I, we're, we're called to look back at those who have gone before. We can go all the way back or we can go to, to saints who, have, who, who are maybe more closely in, in our time but have walked with God in the past. And we say, how did they do it? Well, what does this race look like for them? How can I run a race? Not, not copying them. Don't fall into that trap of thinking, I've got to do everything that this person does. No. But but being able to look back and go, there's things to learn here. Well, let's not be those people who arrogantly think only the things that happen in my time are the, are the real things, are the substantial things. No, God has been working through the, the ages, through the centuries. And so we're to look back and learn from what has come before. The next thing we're told here in Hebrews 12 is to look inside. We look back, but we also have to look inside. Right? There, there is this, this stuff there are hindrances and sins, weights that entangle us. And you think about it. There's, 
when you do certain training, maybe some of you, this is, I don't know if this is just a guy thing, some of you ladies, maybe you did this back in the day where you decided, man, I want to get stronger or I want to jump higher. And so you, you walked around with ankle weights, right? Anybody ever do that? You're just walking around. I did that. It lasted about an hour, I think. Like I, but, but I thought, oh, I want to just be jumping out of the gym. And so let me walk around with ankle weights. And, and that was fine. Like that was meant to do some kind of training. It was meant to make you stronger. But what happens is, what we find is, again, our, our tendencies and our abilities and, and just our, our approach to things, it, it's not that we're putting weights on our, our ankles intended to make us run faster. It's that we're tying ourselves up, entangling ourselves to where we can't hardly run at all. Where the real miracle is that we actually take steps forward just at all. Because there's these things, these, again, these way, ways of approaching life that are contrary to God's ways. And, and they really are self-defeating. They get in the way of us actually walking with God as he intends for us to do. I mean, this is, in the grand scale, this is our problem. We all have this native tendency to go the other direction from God. We're all guilty of not heeding God's call to follow him. And so what we find ourselves is that we, we think we're walking, we're making progress, and really, man, we're just stumbling over ourselves again and again and again. What God says is, look, if you want to run forward, there's things that I will point out, I will help you with, but, but there are things that have got to go. This is what the life of repentance means. It's, it's that we are, are finding these things. God points these things out, and we go, man, I don't want this anymore. God, will you help me? Will you rescue me from this thing? And he is good and gracious to do that. And then we're able to begin casting that stuff off and taking steps forward with him. That's how he wants us to, to learn to make progress. We have to look inside. Again, this is not navel-gazing, guys. This isn't, well, let me just sit around all day long. Again, my waiting is I just stand still, stare at myself, woe is me, and, and just tell everybody about how awful I am all the time. No, but we do have to be realistic. Look, you and I have real stuff that trips us up. And if we try to patch over that, if we try to pretend it's not there, we make no real progress. But when we get real with the Lord, we admit where we are, who we are, and begin to allow him to, to clean that stuff out, to, to cast that stuff off, what we find is we really can move ahead. We really can walk forward in, in really good things. What, what he's called us to is to practice godliness. We, we learn, we grow in this. Like, like, again, like you were wearing ankle weights and you're training at this. And so we're told, we're going to look at the book of 1 Timothy here in a couple of weeks, do a whole series through the entire letter. One of the key verses in 1 Timothy is 1 Timothy 4.8. We're told the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And the point here is not, Stop working out or, or stop walking or whatever. That's not the point. The point is there's some benefit to that. But godliness, learning to walk in God's ways, learning to, to know him and seek out what he thinks is good, that has benefit for all eternity. And so this is the kind of walking that we're called to learn to do. So we're to look back, we're to look inside, but then also we're called to look around. If you want to wait well, you've got to look around. If you want to develop patience, to handle the stuff of life, you got to look around. 
You say, well, I don't know where does it say that here in Hebrews 12. I think it's implied, and here's why. Because the entire book of Hebrews is again and again hitting on how important it is that we not forsake the others who are running this race with us. This is a corporate race. It's not just for me to run. It's for us to run together. And so we're told in Hebrews 3.13, encourage each other daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. We need help on a daily basis. And we're told in Hebrews 10.24, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, there's this awareness that someday, someday this race is going to end. There is a finish line. But in the meantime, we need other people around us pumping us up, encouraging us forward to to move forward in this race. And what God has done when he calls you and I to himself, he calls us to himself. He calls us to know and follow Jesus. But he calls us to his body. Jesus is the head of the church. With the body of Christ, the church, he calls us to that as well. Because he knows what he's designed is that you and I live together. We are encouraging one another to run this race. A few years back, I ran a half marathon here in Kansas City. I don't do this as a habit, just so you know. Okay, So I'm running this half marathon. And, and what I was surprised by, besides how much I hurt, um, which probably wasn't as surprising, but what I was surprised by was just what a difference it made as I'm running and strangers Like as I'm running through the streets of Kansas City downtown, strangers are like cheering me on and offering me food and drinks. And and I had a really great Oreo in Westport, which somebody, some people know about. And so, um, man, but it was encouraging. Like I'm I'm making my way forward and I was just surprised. Like, oh, this makes a big difference. These people like cheering me on. It made a big difference. The the guys that I was running with and the way that they were running and, you know, I want to catch up with them. And this is what it does. This is, and this is the way life is meant to be. Us pushing each other. Not, not pushing in a, a pushy way, but helping call and draw one another forward. This is why we're back in Grove Group's time. I mean, this is, this is why we do this. Not because this is the only way you can live out these things. But our groups are meant to be a, a way, a mechanism, because we need stuff in our lives. We need stuff in our calendars, ways in which we commit ourselves to letting people into our lives, letting people know who we are like we talked about last week, and being able to then encourage and, and motivate one another in the right kind of ways. It's been beautiful over the years to watch as people commit into these groups and, and, and you know, on some level, it's, it's an hour and a half, one night a week. You say, is my life different because I went to hang out with some people for an hour and a half, one night a week? No. There's probably going to be plenty of nights where you're like, all right, I, I don't, great, I was there. I showed up. That, that's about all I'm feeling about all of that. But what happens is people build into each other's lives. And over time, then all of a sudden, obstacles pop up. And they realize, man, I don't have to face this thing all by myself. And the groups come around each other, and they support each other, and they, they provide what's needed. And you find, man, I was stumbling, but, but man, these people came around me, and they kept me moving. And they, they helped me go where I didn't think I could go. 
That's what we're intending to do. And so, you know, it's scan a QR code and go check out some, some the different options. And you've got, you can have a group on Monday night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night, all different parts all over the Northland. Great. Those are details. Pay attention to those things. Check those things out. But know that there are real people who, who care about you and who are encouraged sometimes by, by you simply being there. You think, what was my presence there for? Why did I need to go? Sometimes you needed to go because somebody else just needed to see that you showed up. They just needed to know that they're not the only one who pushed through some of the obstacles and showed up and made this a priority. This is what God has intended for us, is to run this race, but it's a team relay. It's this thing where we do it together, not all on our own. So we need to look around, but all of that looking, the looking back and the looking inside and the looking around, it's all really about looking ahead. Right? We, we can't go forward if we're not looking forward, right? Sometimes you ever been there where you're, you're sort of thinking about something or, or you got your, your mind on something and you're just looking at the ground and you will run into stuff? I do this, but maybe it's because I'm tall. I end up hitting my head on, on things. I'm looking down, I'm thinking, and the next thing I turn around and there's something and that feels very not good, right? So we have to look ahead. That's how we move forward. We're looking ahead, and that's really what, what this is all about. Look ahead. Look and keep your eyes on Jesus. See, impatience, friends, is crossing God's good boundaries to get what we want. We're impatient when we cross God's boundaries to get what we want. This is the exact opposite of what Jesus did. We're told here he is the the, um, what does it say, the source and perfecter of our faith, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the trailblazer, the one who, is, who has opened the way and then leads the way. He makes this race possible, but he doesn't just make the race possible. He doesn't just say, hey, look, I got a new race for you. Come and see if you can do it. He, he guarantees that if you will trust him <clears throat> to get into that race, that you will cross the finish line. He is the pioneer and the perfecter. And he's the one that, that, again, opened this whole new road. How? He went to the cross and he endured, knowing full well that every sin that you and I had would commit, right? All of our sins were in the future. And yet he knew that every sin you and I would, would commit would be laid upon him. That he would, and, and he, he goes to the cross, a, a punishment that's described by theologian F.F. F. Bruce as a punishment reserved for those who were deemed most unfit to live. Here, the author of life endures the cross, a punishment deemed for those most unfit to live. And yet, he disregarded it. He sets aside the shame of that. Why? Because there's joy at the end of that road. Because as horrific as the punishment was, it paled in comparison to the glory in trusting and obeying the Father. See, short-term suffering, friends, in the hands of God leads to everlasting joy. You can go through short-term suffering on your own. You will suffer. That's just a human thing. That's not a Christian thing or non-Christian. That's just a human thing. But short-term suffering in the hands of our Creator 
leads to everlasting joy. Jesus has that joy in its fullness. And the good news is he offers it to you and I. You and I can have that same joy, this same kind of life. And so we're called to look ahead, to run on the road that he's already traveled. He's paved the way. It it can be far. It won't be without obstacles. But again, you run that road knowing that there is something ultimately, eternally wonderful at the end. Realizing that it's a road that was once a dead end but now leads to glory. It leads to lasting impact. And so I want to just conclude. What we're told here then is Hebrews 12. It's true. It's not just a, a, a you know, folksy idiom. The best things really do come to those who wait. The best things really do come to those who wait. This isn't, this isn't just folk speaking, you know, a little hallmark encouragement. This is the reality of what God has done through Jesus. See, we... At the same time, though, with that in mind, right, you you see the result of Jesus' suffering. And we know what it was for. We know what it accomplished. So then what's the purpose of you and I walking through trials? Why do we bear a cross? And to answer that, you have to understand what patience is not. It is not passivity or paralysis. It's not just being stuck in neutral. We work while we wait. Isaiah 40 tells us, though, that that's what's going to happen, right? Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord, same word, wait, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Waiting in the Lord means we're moving forward, but it's a different kind of moving. And we can have joy because as we wait, And as we work as we wait, the Lord is actually working on us. Lamentations 3 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. And that goodness is not just that we get stuff, but that we become something new. So James tells us, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You see, trials, they acknowledge that life is not as it should be. You face obstacles. You face difficulties. That's a a reminder. Wait, things are not like they should be. Things are off. They're broken. They need to be made right. But those trials also acknowledge and remind us that while the World is not, and life is not as it should be. Neither are you and I. We need to be made different. We need to be changed. And that's why we have to wait, because, see, God is changing us in a way that creates a relationship and not simply a robot. Robots, they're dependent. This is this great fear right now, AI, right? What happens when the robots become independent? And then they want to take over and do all this. Here's the deal. All of those sci-fi sort of imaginings are all about what happens when the, the dependent robot throws off the chains of that dependence. But it never really explores well, what might happen if instead the, the robot simply added to that dependence devotion. 
Because we really don't expect the, the robots to be devoted. We just expect them to rebel. Why do we expect that? Because we've already played that out. Because that's what we know happens with us. And God is changing us in a way that would draw us back to himself. Through our trials, God is forming us into people who love and trust him, who depend on him, but want to love him, want to be with him, want to live for all eternity with him. And so he tells us the best things really do come to those who wait. In 1969, mankind set foot on the moon. Very famously, Neil Armstrong made the statement as he took that step, one small step for a man, for man, a giant leap for mankind. Those are the words we remember because it was successful, because they took that, that walk and they did their tests and then they came home. But I want you to hear some other words that are less well known. Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. Those were the opening lines of a speech that was prepared by President Nixon's speechwriter, William Sapphire, to be used in the event of a disaster that would maroon those astronauts on the moon. Now again, they came home. But Jesus, he stepped onto our earth and he marooned himself. He didn't stop just walking. He walked himself to the cross and we truly do find hope for mankind in his sacrifice. There's hope for you, friend. Real, lasting hope in his sacrifice. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. But no, we've been given a great assignment. If you have trusted Christ, if you've been made new in him, you've been given this assignment to be a part of helping the world know how great God is and know the lengths that he has gone to bring people back into a relationship with him. And so as you and I run on the trail that he has blazed, we're going to face some obstacles that will slow us down. Some of those obstacles we need to shed, some that we just can't avoid. But as you and I run on the trail, we will carry our cross until we awaken, resurrected, and complete. And we will be a part of an impact that will resonate for all of eternity. Let's pray together. Father, do indeed thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to make a way, pioneer a way back to you. Help us to learn to endure, learn to wait on you, to follow hard after you. Make that our passion, make that our great hope and the reality of our living, God. Help us to really just in the nitty-gritty of all the stuff that we have to do, help us to keep our eyes set on Jesus. I pray for the person that's here who's 
who's never done that, who's never received new life, that today would be a day that you would transform them. They would realize and recognize their need for a Savior. And I pray also for us collectively as a church that we would encourage one another, that we would help each other to run this race well. We pray for your guidance. We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.